Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, crypto traders worldwide. I have a few entertaining topics, and fortunately, I'm ecstatic to say that I don't have significant amounts to talk about with respect to Saitama because a lot of the chatter has died down to a significant degree. I will make brief mentions early on, and then we'll get into the good stuff. Um, the Certix audit continues. They're still on track. However, they clarified the two-week estimate that was given, and I'm not sure who specifically gave the two weeks, but the two-week estimate that was given is basically an estimate. And to quote Sinbad in the great movie Good Burger, could be, will be, should be, uh, meaning that they are not holding it to a hard fast. They cannot control Certix deadlines. Uh, I remain unimpressed by the lack of, and it seems like people don't understand the different types of apologies that are out there, right? If you apologize that something happened, that's not the same thing as saying, I apologize that I let you down. So the current messaging for the Satama uh, leadership is just basically, we're sorry this happened. That's not the same as to say the throat, you know, the buck, where the buck stops, things got messed up. That didn't happen. That's fine. Some of the investors are at this point, as I like to say, scraping the bottom of the barrel, you know, they'll take anything that just says, Hey, sounds like an apology. So we'll just deal with it and move on. And that's fine. If you want to do that, I honestly believe the serious investor pool are going to now be more skeptical of Satama. In fact, I was just looking on a board of people that initially were talking about applying for a mask and they backed off because they were not impressed with the messaging coming from the leadership of the Satama team. Well, that doesn't help anybody that hurts a lot of people which is why I've been advocating for more accountability by way of a true apology. Own it. Say you messed up as the one in charge. You got it wrong. This is what you're going to do to fix it. And this is what you're going to do to get it back on track until that happens. I think you're going to have a lot of missed opportunity for the project. And then by the time that some of those people circle back and look at it again, they may not be inclined, inclined to spend the money because now the price is out of whack. Because, I again, I'm bullish on the project. I think it'll go up because the project is sound. And Steve is a solid, I think he's the best person up there is Steve. And then Elon, I'll, um, I'll put second, Mansoor. I just, um, Steve, I think very highly of, and I, I wish he were the one that was in charge. It's just that he doesn't, quote, sell uh, the project very well but his information is very solid he's very conservative in the presentation and he actively apologizes but I, you know at the end of the day when you've got this other person over here who doesn't represent your company and they apologize perfectly and then you don't it, i think it's a bad look and um again the messaging from other areas that were considering side of mass strongly and then backing off is not good um, for the short term i'm still bullish on the project for the long term Absolutely. I still think that it'll drop another zero. It's basically its second zero come um, Q1 2022. I maintain that stance. Meanwhile, let's get into some other projects, start talking about different things. Uh, there was a rug pull, a rather, rather large-scale rug pull um, that, ironically, the name was, I think, called Saitama Kitty. And they openly, at the time the project was out, they said, look, we're not aligned with the Saitama people. We are a totally different project, but we're trying to you know, do do the mechanics correctly and get everything right. And the project, I didn't invest in it, but the for, I didn't even hear I haven't heard of it until this came out. And then I did look into it, and it was a pretty sound looking project. Like you couldn't really tell that anything was wrong. But 
then all of a sudden, all the social media shuts down, the value tanks, the liquidity is near zero, and people are wondering what the heck's going on. And it made somewhat of news, not really mainstream, but it made a couple of news outlets. And what it seems like happened here is potentially, I mean, it's the definition of a rug pull, absolutely. But this one seems different because it didn't seem, at least on the surface, that there was initial malicious intent happening. And so someone on uh, one of the platforms speculated that perhaps it was just a rogue developer. They decided to go off to their own thing. That doesn't explain the shutdowns of social media, the website going offline, the website was hosted on Wix. Um, the fact that the domain was still pointed at Wix seems to imply that it wasn't a total shutdown because if you would have shut down the Wix account, the domain simply wouldn't resolve and you would get a DNS error. But if you had bought it directly in Wix and you shut it down, then you wouldn't get any resolution at all. Like it wouldn't even respond. So you get a not found. So the fact that it's still pointing at Wix, but then there's just no site under there is a weird thing. And then the immediate drop in the value of the token and the liquidity seems to indicate a honeypot. It's just, it must've been a very elaborate one based on what we can tell. So that was Satama Kitty and nobody has any additional data beyond what we know right now. It's just, is what it is. Briefly, Kishimoto Inu uh, is it one of those underdog tokens. I am not bought into Kishimoto at this present moment only because of the Ethereum gas fees. It is on my target because I'm heavily bullish on that project. I think very highly of the team. They're doing a good job with communication and how they're working. They really they announced recently that their bridge for Ethereum to Binance Smart Chain is coming live within 12 hours. That's very That's pretty aggressive and it's very rapid motion. But the fact that they're getting on board with Binance means that I'll be able to buy in sooner because Binance, of course, has much cheaper gas fees. And then I just have to wait for my mining computer to finish its thing, and I'll buy into Kishimoto, you know, kick the tires, crack it, take a look, see what it's about, and then I'll do a more detailed deep dive into it. But I've mentioned it pre previously that I'm heavily bullish on all things Kishimoto because despite the fact that the at least the appearance of the project it might cater towards a younger audience, I think that the fundamentals are sound, and I think it's a good project overall. Similar with uh, Shirio Inu is another one that I'm heavily bullish on, but this one is just specifically that they're announcing the Ethereum to Binance Bridge, which is huge. Speaking of Ethereum to Binance Bridges, ID Finance has been working to finalize their bridge. So what that would do is they already have an Ethereum token and a Binance token. The Binance token doesn't have the same traffic as the Ethereum side because of just the population parity the vast majority of the united states traders are going to be on the ethereum side however gas fees i've said multiple times are causing people to be frustrated with trading cryptocurrency and they can't get in it's a barrier of entry whereas on the binance side you have a lot more scams so we look for legitimate projects on the binance side to help offset that balance well then they created the id binance token and I bought in on it, and I have no concerns with it. It has the same reflections, but because the traffic is not as high, you don't get as many reflections. However, it's price points right where people want it to be. You can get you know billions and billions of tokens for just for less than ten bucks right now. It's early in the project, and I say early because if you go back in history on my podcast, I talked about ID and the history of what happened to it. Basically, the team had all the best intentions, and they sent money to this idiot Vitalik in the form of the liquidity. They basically sent the liquidity to him to try to, quote, burn it 
and he cashed it out, which essentially created a rug pull that wasn't intended. And so it lost all its liquidity and thus lost the value. And so it's rebuilding. Second, they had to rebrand away from a dog token because it used to be IDEMU. And so they're now they're doing the rebrand, but they're also setting up the Binance side. They're expanding the ID craft. They are NFTs. They're expanding within the gaming space. They've talked about metaverse and they're trying to rebuild it as a more serious business. And I said before that I think that they're on the right track and they might very well be what Satama was now, what Satama was back then. So it's something to at least look at and be aware of. And the cost of entry is low, which means your risk is low. Worst case, you lose, what, $5, $10, and you're not that bad off. But the fact that they're working on the bridge opens up a lot of doors because there's likely a lot of people, and I was one of these, that are sitting on bags on the Ethereum side, and they're watching it, and it's kind of fluctuating, going up and down, but they know that at some point they're going to want to have an easier time of it. They want to get on the Binance side. Second, most of the international folks would prefer to be Binance versus Ethereum. So people who can't buy in. Uh, the other thing, ID, the Ethereum side is available through exchanges. The Binance is not. So they're looking to try to fix all this and get it to where now both sides can benefit. And there's a lot of traction over on the ID side. It's something to at least pay attention to. And see if it's something that's part of your portfolio makes sense. Definitely look at that. Another update I'll give that's more on a personal level. I, I was working. I'm working with a friend right now. Um, he's getting into cryptocurrency for the first time. He's been aware of it, but he didn't get into it. Which, like many of us, we just didn't get into it when we should have. So he's getting into it now. He's having a crash course and understand. And you know, he understood that we used to play Mule as a kid, the game. So he knew that. Basically, it's the same process as what Mule does in terms of how you buy and sell and setting prices and the different changes in prices and stock and inventory constraints and all this. So as he wraps his head around, okay, this is basically the same as what we had already experienced when we were playing games of this. Yes, it's that simple, but there's a little bit more to it because you got to watch out for the different scams and you really have to, you really have to be careful because nothing's protecting you, right? Well, he's, he's at a situation now where he needs to, it's either, it's a make or break for him, right? Cause he's going to go in with a small bit of money that he's going to borrow. And then I'm going to work with him to identify projects that I believe are strong projects, but then you got to be patient. They're going to take some time before they get to the point of true success. And then you can pay back the loan, you know, 50 fold, but it's as he goes through it, he's going to stumble. He's going to run across some bad projects and cases, some projects that are long holds um, and some that are quick gains and then mastering how to cash projects. So he's going to be able to learn using real world scenario, actually doing it, which I didn't have the chance. I didn't have the mentor to guide me through it from a doing perspective. I just kind of had to go feet first in to do it. So I give you that story to tell you that there's nothing wrong with learning by actually doing as long as you mitigate your risk invest only what you can afford to lose use all the various information out there to kind of learn the business and wrap your head around it make sure you stay safe that you know that there's scams assume it's a scam to you can prove that it's not and sometimes you can't prove that it's not it can be a solid project for months on end and then all of a sudden a rogue developer jacks it up and it goes south that's happened before as well so you have to assume it's a scam and just kind of go with it and then just manage your risk. Once it starts getting on more and more exchanges, you can feel more confident that it's less likely to be a scam, but you still kind of have to play it, play it by ear as you go.
And then another update coming out of the other side of the of the feud, as I'll say, is on Doge. There was an announcement that AMC is now talking about accepting Doge as a crypto payment. And as I mentioned before, I said that the AMC announcement likely would not help SHIB, and it didn't. SHIB went right back down. It's still hovering near that's that original all-time high that I was I keep talking about, which was 3.8. And it goes up sometimes, but it's having a hard time getting past its current resistance to go back up. I don't think that's a symptom of anything other than, I don't think it's people that are really nervous about the project or any of that. I think it's just a symptom of, hey, people's sentiment, they're buying, the volume's clearly there, so it's their sentiment is solid, but there's nothing that is gaining new purchasing. There's nothing that's gaining new, right? So they've hit, I think, a capacity where they're gonna have a hard time getting more people on board. They've always kind of hooked into Robinhood as that next level. And we don't, we suspect it will be, but who knows if Robinhood will go there? Because as I said, Robinhood is a terrible crypto trading platform. I understand people use it, but we also know that Robinhood drags their feet, as we see right now. And when it's a micro cap like SHIB, we don't know if they're even going to do it. So it's kind of speculative. And I think that's what's holding back its price growth. But this announcement with AMC and Doge is going to further hold back that growth just because of the feudal nature between those two tokens of, you know, remember SHIB advertised itself at one point as Doge Killer. And so there's always been kind of this soft feud between the two. It's not based on any fundamentals or anything logical. It's just that's always been the perception. And you can blame the initial set of developers for putting it forth that it is a Doge Killer when they didn't need to. And what they should have really done is said, we're standalone, we're by ourselves, and we're doing our own thing, which they've tried to do, but because they already had the Doge Killer messaging, anytime Doge gets a win, it tends to hurt the SHIB product, And but the converse is not necessarily true. If Doge skyrockets, or excuse me, SHIB skyrockets, Doge doesn't necessarily tank. It might go down a penny or two. But for the most part, Doge is reasonably steady and consistent and robust con compared to the others like Bitcoin that just dropped 5%. So the feud is illogical because you're not, all you're doing is hurting yourself and your own investors when you promote that kind of, it, it's fine to be competitive, but when you promote that kind of antagonistic situation for no real reason other than, you know, childish jealousy, I don't think that that's going to get you to any new level at all. So when you have a leader of a, one of these tokens who talks about their, you know, haters going to hate and all this that's why it doesn't give a good impression of your project because you're coming across with this childish antagonism that doesn't make any sense when really you should be strengthening the position of your own product regardless of whatever else is going on in the industry. That's something I think that Doge did the, a masterful job of is strengthening its position to become that household name that every one of the other tokens strive to be like a Bitcoin even Ethereum never got to the point where it is so widely known and so widely accepted as Doge is and as Bitcoin is. I mean, they can only dream of getting to those levels. And so when you get these other tokens and they come in with a jealous intent, I don't think it gives you a good image. You come across like a child and you shouldn't come across like a child if you're acting like a business is kind of the stance. So I think the AMC Doge announcement in that situation, I think it helps Doge and AMC more so Doge. Here's why. With Doge, anybody who bought into Doge is already confident in Doge. They're confident in what it does. 
the project has developers on it now that are actively building towards better uses and use cases. Doge is already ubiquitous. Doge is accepted as payments in various places. Doge is on every single exchange you can think of that matters. Doge has already made it in the eyes of the community to where it is not. It There's some people like, you know, our cryptocurrency on Reddit, right, that think it's just a S coin. I'm trying not to swear. But the truth of the matter is that they cannot, even in their mind, they cannot deny that Doge has broken that perception that crypto is a scam. Doge broke the perception that crypto cannot be accepted transactionally. Doge broke the perception that you cannot make money off of a crypto in, in short form or quick. So I don't agree in the narratives that Doge has is a S coin or this because they have done what others have failed to do, what even Bitcoin has failed to do to some degree. Bitcoin is ubiquitous, yes, but it is not done the same of what Doge has done primarily because Doge's price is more accessible to those who would spread the word. Does that make sense? Like every, you can go to places like North Dakota and Missouri and others and ask them, tell me what you know about Bitcoin. And they'll say, well, I know some people make money off of it. Do, 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 and that's it. They can't tell you much about the Bitcoin. So let's not pretend that crypto is mainstream because it's not. I already talked about this on a previous podcast century, so I won't go deeper into it. I'm just saying that I think this really helps that it helps amc because you're embracing more types of payment transactions that people can, that people can use i don't think it significantly helps doge because you were already bought in to begin with is my point and then i want to talk about a currency this is one of these up-and-comer currencies and then we'll get into an exchange but there's a crypto out there and i call it an up-and-comer because it is reasonably new it's been out for a while but they've been in formative mode so they've been taking time to kind of build what they wanted to do. If you are on social media, you've likely seen it come across your feed at least once for um, for certain specific people that are walking billboards. I'm not going to call out that person's name. Uh, but it did a pre-sale on the 6th of November, so that tells you just how recently new this thing is. However, since it's actually opened up to the general public, it has skyrocketed in value and continues to breach its all-time highs on a regular basis. This project is, I, I don't, most of the projects that are coming out now will kind of hang their hat on various mechanics that we talked about, the gimmicks, you know, the burn mechanics, the reflections, all these different things that they are doing to try to entice people to buy into the project because of the, at least the appearance that your value is consistently going up. What we find a lot with these projects is that they do the mechanics, but because of just the nature of traders out there that will buy in and sell, you got day traders, you got long-term, short-terms, and so on, that the volume cannot sustain very well. Satama bucked that trend to some degree because of the aggressive marketing approach of the Satama team in getting the word out and getting influential people that were able to help spread the word, but also to get advertisements internationally and those types of things. But they are the exception. Most commonly, that doesn't happen. When you have other projects that don't have those mechanics, they have to get more creative about how they're going to improve value. Iotex is one that I can think of that said, well, we're working on our fundamentals, our utility, and that's going to be our sell point. And as a result, it skyrocketed. It's one of the free coins that Coinbase gives you it skyrocketed from $0.05 cents to $0.30. Cents. So there's something to be said about both 
sides of the approach. Whether you do a burn mechanic and reflections mechanic and all this, or you focus on utility, some try to do both, but it's hard to do both because you have to obviously have money to invest in doing the utility side. So you have to kind of pick one or the other and then figure out what you're going to do. The token that I'm going to talk about here is called Angie, A-N-J-I. Angie is actually an ecosystem token similar to the way SHIB is an ecosystem token. However, Angie took a different approach to how they're doing the ecosystem strategy by, by way of the way that they do the distribution of their tokens. So before I talk about the ecosystem itself, I want to just talk about the Angie token just specifically. As I said, from the moment this guy went live, it has constantly gone up and constantly breached its all-time high on, on frequent occasions. It's on target to do it again. The stake mechanics they have, the BNB um, distributions that they offer, and then a strong marketing approach that is not based on, you know, the kind of hype that you might see other places where you've got gimmicks, you know, let's go out to Vegas and do a shindig or something. It seems like they're doing the right approach behind getting the word out and doing what they're doing to make everyone aware of these projects and that they truly are trying to make something that's a strong project at the end of the day. Um, they have full names on people. So it's a solid project from my eyes. And again, as part of a diverse portfolio, you want to do your own investment uh, investigation for your investment to understand from your situation. Does it make sense to invest? Number one, number two, how much makes sense to invest? Number three, you have to believe in the project. You have to believe in what they're talking about, what they're doing, and it has to resonate with you. It cannot be somebody else telling you to do it and you just do it because when you do that, it's not going to serve you very well in the end. So it is important that you believe in the project more than anything else. I'm simply saying that from my perspective, it looks like a very robust, even if you just looked at Angie, the token by itself, I think it's solid, but just the, the overall ecosystem, project of the ecosystem, I think is doing the right things, the right way, and it's got strong growth potential similar to, you know, ID Finance. I think it's another one that's got the right angle and it's, it's going to be on the right track. But Angie looks like it may get you to your goals a little bit quicker if you're measured and smart about your investments and how you do it. The only thing I would want out of Angie would be to get listed on exchanges. Obviously, I know that's a process. And in some cases, you don't want to do it up front because that can tend to add volatility to your pricing because of the limit order situation. So I, I'm not saying it's a hard, fast, why aren't you? I'm just questioning, you know, at least one exchange to help people. The fact it's on Binance, I think, makes it inexpensive. But in the United States, it's hard to get initially into the Binance chain. I know, just use your credit card, do, do, do. I'm saying it, and I'll say it again. In the United States, it is not dirt simple to get bought in straight to Binance. You can't just go to a Bitcoin ATM and buy BNB. You've got to go through a little bit of hoops to do it. Coinbase doesn't support it. That is the current gold standard. It is not easy. I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm saying it's not easy. So I'm just suggesting that to make it easier for people, if we get on at least one exchange, then we can sell hey, now you can go to this exchange and just buy your NG and have it. Since there's no reflections, you don't have to worry about the, you know, losing out the reflections. Now, the BNB might be a different problem because I'm assuming the BNB would require you be in a private wallet, but you can solve that by just sending it to the wallet. 
And if they're trying to be a true altcoin in the form of having their own blockchain down the road, that would negate those send fees. But for the short term, it's Binance. It's not overly expensive. And then to wrap up today's update, um, let's cover one more exchange. And I'm not going to trash this exchange, but I am going to heavily criticize it because of silly mistakes that I believe are a symptom of the fact that it appears to be originated from China. And so that's BKEX, B-K-E-X dot com. BKEX does so much right. It, it really does. It does so much right. And then it just botches the, the simple stuff. And I don't, I don't, it seems like they just need an American team. Cause again, I am catering much of my messaging around those that are in the United States. If you're international, it probably doesn't bother you. Frankly, if you're in the United States, it might not bother you. But a lot of these things bother me and they would bother other people. Just the way that the interface works. So number one, when you sign up an account on BX, you can sign up with a phone number or with an email address. I don't do the phone number because to me, having your phone number as your login doesn't make any freaking sense in the world. But if you do the phone number, that's fine. The, and then I think it does SMS verification. I don't know because I don't like doing it. But on the email side, it supports Outlook, so that's good. So they did do some development coding to support the current, you know, gold standard of email, free email. And I pay for mine. The, but when you get inside the interface, it's slow, number one. So when it's rendering different things, it's slow. And then eventually it'll speed up. But that there's a lot that's being loaded to the interface. And it's a nicely looking interface. So not down on it, just it's slow initially. And I think they should optimize some of the load and only load things as they need to instead of just loading by default. But then there's text that's described in for each of the different market pairs. So like for their BKK token, which is their own token, the grammar is not good. And you can tell that they pretty much just copy pasted their own language into like Google Translate and then pasted it in there instead of hiring real translators. And I worked for translation companies. That's how I can tell that this is what they must have done. So let me just read off what it says. BKK is the proof of stake of BKX platform. Have an innovative trading mining mechanism. BKK is based on the early Etheric Square. ERC-20 agreement issued in the future will be transferred to the self-developed public chain. That is not proper grammar. I know what they're saying because I understand crypto and I understand technology, but it doesn't, it, it, it's not proper grammar. Get real translators to get real text in there and don't just copy paste on Google Translate. And if you are going to do Google Translate, make sure you edit it before you put it on the site. It might seem a small thing, but when you're trying to give instructions to people, it's important that the instructions are well understood so that you allay the need for support tickets being created. Speaking of support tickets, they have a knowledge base. The links, when you go to the interface by default, take you to the China site. I understand you can tell the browser if you're using Chrome or Edge to translate for you, but you shouldn't have to do that. It, should, it knows that you're in the United States or in the UK or in Germany or whatever. And so it should show you the proper language according to where you're coming from automatically, not send you to the China site. That's something I wish they would fix. Now, there are some upsides to BKEX. Number one, they don't force you to go through KYC for the basic trading. And I don't even think for withdrawals, at least it's not from what I can tell. It might, but I didn't go through it because it's not one that I use on a regular basis. So I registered the account and then went in to just evaluate it 
and I haven't done it for regular trading, but I did investigate the steps, which I'll get onto in a second, and it doesn't look like they're forcing it, that's a good thing. Um, however, it's going to get them in trouble, potentially, because in some cases they may be, need to be forced to do it, but I think they may take a different approach where they just have levels like L-Bank of certain withdrawals under a certain threshold, we're not going to worry about it, and then over that we'll force you to do it, which is a good approach, if that's how they do that. However, the problem I have with their KYC process is that it is a mobile first plan and they did, they basically half-assed it. So there are two ways to KYC with them. One is to use their mobile app, meaning the full-on app. Second is to do a manual verification. The manual verification they say takes 40, up to 48 hours, chances are business hours. So if you do it on a Friday, you're talking way more than 48. I have a problem with this. Here's the problem I have with this. There are services out there where you can verify somebody with nothing but web access. It works on every device. You are not required to download apps, and it integrates directly with your own website. I've used many of them. They're common in the OTC space. Um, I can't remember the name of it. Is it Verif Verifer or something? But there's tools that it's just web only. So you hit a link. It shows you a code. You scan the code on your phone which takes you to another link on your phone and then it's all web from there. It takes your camera and does what it needs to do. And then it sends back the results to your service. You take the result code and then you open up access. They could have done that. And the reason I know they could have is because if it's in your app, that means you could have done it on your website and you chose not to. So you're again, forcing somebody to download a mobile app just to do the verification when those people have no intention of doing any trading on the phone. It's fine for those people that are mobile first and I understand because most of your customers might be in Japan or might be in China where phones are the preferred over other devices. But outside of those countries, it's not. And so I think you need to have a balance. You know that people are coming from country A. From country A, again, regardless, if you use the web first one, it still works on the mobile. So you can still accommodate those people without inconveniencing the other countries. That's my perception. Second, if you do the web-only approach that I'm talking about, you don't need to do that 48-hour manual verification as an alternate because you can tie it into that process. So what happens is from that web link that you took the picture and let's say it's not able to auto-scan for some reason, it automatically sends to a queue, alerts their customer service rep, says, please verify this right now. Rep pulls it up from the queue, looks at it and says, yep, our tool's just stupid, says approve, and then it sends back the response to your web and then let's submit. You don't need the 48 hours. There's no reason for the 48 hours. I think that's a showstopper for many people, not all. Some people are, are fine violating their privacies and installing a bunch of garbage apps that they never touch again and all this. I'm saying that in order to be consumer-friendly, consumer-first, and be accessible and be more usable, they should consider the web-only verification tools that are out there that are available that can do this without the need to install any devices, that work on your computer or your phone or your tablet without the need to add another app. That's my opinion. Now on the upside, the strong upside of BKX, they have arguably the largest variety of tokens available for a trade. All of the ones that you can think of that you could even have been mentioned that have said they've been listed on exchange are out there. Satama's on there, Shib's on there, Doge's on there, Kishu's on there, Kuma's on there. And so they have, they have the widest variety they don't have all, but they have the widest variety of tokens available that are lesser available on other platforms, put it like that. 
So for that, I applaud them for having the selection and the inventory. But because of that, I can't put them above L-Bank because L-Bank has very close to the same inventory of tokens available. But L-Bank has a much cleaner KYC handling of the process. And then, of course, <clears throat> Gate.io is at the top. And, or excuse me, uh, L-Bank is at the top, Gate.io is second, and I can't put BKX above either one because of the nonsense of the KYC. Most, that's the number one, but also the translation issues with the site and just what it seems like they're not really understanding their target audience very well. It's just a generic tool. And many will say, well, why do you care? It goes to web accessibility standards. It goes to convenience and knowing your customer. You talk about KYC, but you're not willing to develop your service to truly know your customer and be as inclusive, and I hate using that word, but it's true, as possible to as many different audiences, not just this group that likes phones or not just this group that likes computers or not just this group that likes tablets, but web standard, which can work on any of the devices, and thus you have a single set of code. You don't have to worry about balancing act that's inherent with apps and all this garbage. So it may seem a small thing to you, but it's major in the broad spectrum outside of your bubble that you want to make sure that everybody can use it. And the best way to do that is going web first strategy, not a mobile first strategy is what I'm saying. So I'm not saying don't use BKEX. I think it's recommended, especially if you can't use LBank for some reason and you can't use Gate.io for some reason, or maybe it's just your native language. BKEX might be the best option for you. And I, I support using it. I'm not saying don't. I just, there's things that I would like to see them fix that are simple, small things to fix. And that would make them stand out because everything else I have no issues with at all. The trading, the interface, um, everything else is pretty darn clean. It's just, there's certain usability things that I think can be improved. So that's my overshow right there. Um, fortunately, Satama's kind of, I don't want to say out of sight, out of mind, but I am waiting to see better from the leadership there. Um, kudos to Steve for the job he's done. I think very highly of Steve. Um, and I want to make sure that's clear. And AMC Doge, I think really does help AMC to some degree. Um, we're getting closer, but we're not quite there. I'm sorry for everything that happened with the stomach kitty folks, um, and all that nonsense. Do take a look at Angie and do your own research and see if it's something that makes sense for you. Uh, I do think it's worth looking at. Uh, Kishimoto Emu and its bridge is exciting news. Uh, ID doing the same thing is exciting news. Anywhere we can start getting clean bridges, and hopefully they don't charge gas fees, but clean bridges between Ethereum and Binance chains to where if you're stuck on one, you can get on the other one to save a lot of money. I think it's good. So there's a lot of good things that are happening kind of slow and steady, and I work to try to cover as much as I can, but I also want to make sure these episodes don't get too long unless I have a guest on. So I am covering now in this type of format, but then if I see one that comes up and there's more that I need to cover about it as a secondary update, I'll do that as out of cycle. But hopefully this has been helpful, beneficial. Make sure you do your own research, read, understand, learn the business. And most importantly, as an investor, don't let them, don't let any of them tell you otherwise. They work for you. You are entitled to information and answers. If they don't give it to you, you can walk, truly. But I would challenge you to make sure that you call them out on it first and give them a chance to respond and that they don't respond make your own decision with your money. 